0: is the 77 WABC minicast. Somebody that knows a thing or two about the Me Too movement, not only in the United States but uh, internationally, is Vicky Wong. Vicky Wong is a fascinating person who has led and continues to lead an absolutely fascinating life Uh, she is a translator turned writer a model turned stand-up comedian someone that lived uh, for about a decade in shanghai and she joins us now i believe from uh, taiwan vicky wang thanks so much for joining us on the radio
1: thank you for inviting me frank
0: vicky you are in taiwan now right
1: Yes, I am back in Taiwan for the next couple of months for visa issues.
0: Ah, okay. Uh well, that that sounds uh, that sounds frustrating. I can imagine. <laughs> hey, uh, give folks an idea if they're unfamiliar with your history. Uh, a little bit about your story. Uh, where did you uh, Where did you grow up?
1: I was born and raised in Taiwan, but I have this very deceivingly American accent um, because both of my parents are English teachers in Taiwan. So. I've been speaking English most of my life. I trained as an interpreter and translator. I uh, moved to Shanghai ten years ago. I lived in the American Midwest in high school as a foreign exchange student. Um, those were very inform- like very formative years of my life uh, in Missouri and Minnesota. And I'm now trying to build a new life in New York City.
0: Well, that's uh, that's terrific, and uh, I don't blame you for waiting until you were out of New York for coming on the radio because it's a much more convenient hour uh, that in Taiwan to be on this show than if you were in uh, in New York. How did you uh, end up living in Shanghai for a decade?
1: Oh, in a very classic story where I followed a boyfriend uh, across the Taiwan Strait. <laughs> I uh, I was dating I was dating someone in Taiwan. He was relocated to Shanghai, and asked me if if I wanted to go with him. And that relationship didn't work out. But my career took off in a big way in Shanghai. So
0: I decided to stay. And you didn't secretly pretend to still be together, unlike Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith.
1: <laughs> I just read about that. I heard you guys talking about it earlier. Um, No, no, it was uh, it was an amicable breakup. I'm really grateful for him to have introduced me to the idea of China. Um, You know, growing up in Taiwan with like the, the news and the tension and the propaganda I grew up with, China really wasn't high on my list. I had always dreamed of moving to the United States.
0: You know, it's so interesting. There are some countries where the the government uh, of two different countries don't necessarily get along, but a lot of times the people do, and sometimes it's uh, it's vice versa. Sometimes uh, the United States may get along very well with uh, the government of a country, but uh, a lot of the people that live in that country don't necessarily think that well of, uh, of the United States. I- I'm very interested, and since you've had sort of a foot in both worlds, I'm interested in your perspective on the state of U.S. Sino relations right now, because the United States and China have sort of this codependent economic relationship. The United States is dependent upon China to borrow all this money to keep its government functioning. So much of the goods that uh, we purchase in the United States are made in China, and uh, so much of what we export ends up going to China, but especially since COVID, there seems like there's some renewed tension. I'm curious, when you talk to rank-and-file Americans in New York, or when you talk to rank and file Chinese, how do they feel about the other side, as it were?
1: That's that's such that's that's such a tough question. Uh, Americans tend to have a very limited view or understanding of China, um, especially, and it's very informed by what the media reports. The headlines uh, coming out of China tend to tend to instill a lot of doubt and fear. And I think the average American about the Chinese government and then by, you know, you know, guilty by association, the Chinese Mm -hmm. people, which I think is really unfair. The Chinese people tend to like, I think like most people in the world, uh, Chinese people look up to America and think of America as, you know, a place to aspire to. Now, a lot of them also are influenced by their media headlines and think oh the us is interfering with chinese you know in, internal you know politics and whatnot so it's 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 a mixed bag I wish there was like a very straightforward. No, I, 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 I really in a think. country
0: with a billion people, I, I'm imagining there's a diversity of opinion. I, I can there certainly. Shall watch? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Hey, if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Vicky Wong. If you want to learn more about her, you could uh, check out her website. Uh, you could find it at vicky v i c k i e w dot That's vicky You're in Taiwan now. I know that's uh, where you said that you grew up. Obviously, Taiwan is the Republic of China. The People's Republic of China Mm -hmm. still uh, considers it part of mainland, uh, considers it part of China. Do the folks in Taiwan consider themselves Chinese or do they consider themselves for the most part as having a distinct nationality and ethnicity?
1: I think like the last survey I read, something over 80 percent of Chinese people feel distinctly and identify distinctly as Taiwanese, but there's a huge generational divide. Mm. Like, for example, three out of my four grandparents moved from, well, I say moved, they were refugees, right? That it was, this was 1945 during the Civil War between the nationalists and the communists in China. The nationalists were losing. So in 1945, there was this huge migration of refugees from China, mainland to Taiwan. Now, that's three out of my four grandparents. I have another grandparent who was born, raised in Taiwan. So when you get to, like, age 50 and above, a lot of people in Taiwan were born, uh, parents who were born in China, who have a very strong, like, identification with Chinese uh, politics, culture. So it, it's a mixed bag. The younger generation tends very much to be pro, we are Taiwanese, we are Taiwan. Right. It's funny. We just had on October 10th is our National Day. We just had you know our big National Day celebration, and because this year we changed it from Republic of China National Day to Taiwan National Day, there was a big brouhaha. Oh really? Some of the politicians like refused to attend the ceremony, like because they had to like take a stand, like oh we shouldn't we shouldn't be cutting off our heritage. We shouldn't be cutting off our identity as Republic of China. So it's it's again, very mixed bag.
0: Interesting. Um, how do you view yourself? Do you think of yourself as American? Do you think you see yourself as Chinese, as Taiwanese? How do you, what do you think of, how do you identify?
1: I am Taiwanese, Taiwanese through and through. Although I, I do recognize that I, when I exist in the world, I am very much Asian American passing, you know, people interact with me because I have a strong American accent People interact with me as if I were born in the U.S., which, you know, that comes with its own set of privileges and challenges. Um, But I feel Taiwanese.
0: We're talking with uh, Vicky Wong, um, comedian and uh, very just an all-around interesting personality. She's in uh, Taipei right now. How did you get into comedy, Vicky?
1: (laughs) That's actually... um, yeah, so I was in Shanghai. I'd been for several years, and I loved going to stand-up comedy shows. But a lot of the a lot of the performers were white male expatriates who were based in Shanghai, and a lot of the jokes seemed to be about dating crazy Chinese girls. <laughs>